If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to share a message that I feel like the Lord has for us today. A message to encourage you and also to um, hopefully get us to think, spur us, spur us on a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because of our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Uh, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to take as my text the uh, part of that last verse, that ninth verse. God who has called you is faithful. The title of my message today is Hope for Imperfect People. We have any imperfect people here today? About half, okay. The rest of you, let us know your secret. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, we're all imperfect. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and there's no hint of it here in these first nine verses. But uh, if there were ever poster children for imperfection, it was the people of the church of Corinth. Um, Corinth as a city was prosperous and important. You and I live in the richest culture and society in the world. Uh, and not only does Corinth's prosperity remind us of ourselves as a nation and a people, but Corinth was also very pagan. Does that sound familiar? Unfortunately, we live in an increasingly pagan society. Until Paul had entered the streets and began to preach the gospel, there had never been a Christian among the people of Corinth. Most of the charter members of the Corinthian church were saved out of paganism. Most of them had uh, at one time uh, been a worshiper of the goddess of love, Aphrodite. This was part of the, the religious uh, pagan worship of the city of Corinth. And these people had practiced ritual prostitution as part of their religion, if you can imagine that. And now uh, some of those who were saved were struggling with pride, sexual sin, idol worship, division, and doctrines of demons. Uh, if you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, you see that 
uh, boy, they had a lot of problems. They had issues. And before we look down our nose at these Christians, can we all just admit that we have issues? Can we admit that? Turn to somebody next to you and say, uh, I hate to tell you this, but you have issues. Now turn to that same person and say, and so do I. <laughs> we have issues. We're imperfect. And if, if we're honest with one another, now I know we're all at different stages in our Christian walk, but if we're honest with one another, we can become, just, if, we, if we really love the Lord and want to serve him and we see the, 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 the faults and the mistakes and the issues that uh, we have a hard time dealing with sometimes, it can be discouraging, can it? Can we just be honest? I know we're in church and we have our, you know, uh, Sunday facade on, but can we just tear that down a little bit? It can be frustrating. It can be discouraging because we, we, we sometimes be, battle the, the same issues and the same problems, the same attitudes, the same habits, and it seems hard to break free. We're an imperfect people. We're, uh, we, we may not have the same issues that these people in Corinth had. Uh, we may have some, but, but whether we do or not, we still have our own issues. And it can be, as I said, discouraging to the point of almost being spiritually debilitating. But I have good news for you today. There is hope for imperfect people. God, in his sovereign wisdom, decided to pour all he could into us as imperfect people. Are you thankful for that? And so in this opening uh, passage of this important book of the New Testament, we see... Uh, we, we, we see... Uh, Three reasons that there can be hope for imperfect people such as you and me. And so this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, why is there hope for imperfect people? And I'll give you one, one uh, clue or one hint to the, to the outline here. It all hinges on the word called. Called. You'll see three times in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 9 the word called. And that, the, the, that word called is, provides the reason for hope for you and me. So let's look at this together. Why is there hope for imperfect people? First of all, there's hope for imperfect people such as you and me because we are called to salvation. I'm going to take these, um, the, these uh, points in reverse order of how they are in the text. So we're going to go from verse 9 to verse 2 to verse 1, okay? So follow with me. In verse number 9, uh, Paul said, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. God who has called you into fellowship with his son. What is fellowship? We know what the word fellowship means, don't we? It means to have something in common. The Greek word is koinonia. You've heard that. It means to share something in common. And we often talk about fellowship with one another, and we talk about, you know, fellowship. We, we call our downstairs part of our building a fellowship hall because that's where we get together and, and have meals. And we love to have meals, don't we? And, and fellowship, we share something in common. But fellowship is more than just having social times together. It's having a bond because of a commonality between us. And while we often think of fellowship, and rightfully so, as sharing something in common with uh, fellow believers, 
Did you know that we can have fellowship with Jesus Christ? Paul says right here, God has called us into fellowship with Jesus Christ. We can share something in common with him. Now that's a pretty profound statement. Because Jesus Christ, God the Son, is perfect. He's holy, as we sang about this morning. We are, as I've documented already, and we've acknowledged, we are imperfect. We are unholy many times. We are, uh, we are quite different. But God has called us into fellowship with Jesus Christ. In other words, he's called us to salvation. I'm so thankful that the gospel is still central to all that we do. Amen? You show me a church that wanders away from the gospel of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, who suffered and died on a cross and rose from the dead. You show me a church that doesn't emphasize that, that doesn't acknowledge that. I'll show you a church that has gone off track, that has forgotten what church is all about because it doesn't get any more basic than that. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, died for you and me, paid the penalty for our sins, the, un the just dying for the unjust. And because of him, we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's still the greatest miracle of all times. You ask me, do miracles take place? Every time a soul comes to Jesus Christ, it's the greatest miracle in all of creation. Hallelujah. And I'm pleased to report that God's still performing those miracles. He's still bringing the lost sheep home. Amen? Hallelujah. We're called to salvation. This is a universal call. There will some who say God only, only wants some to be saved. My Bible says that God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm part of the whosoever. Amen? And so it's a universal call. God, the Bible also says God is not willing that any should be lost, but that all should come to repentance. God lo loves every 7 billion plus. I, they tell us we're getting close to 8 billion now. He loves every person on the planet and desires that everyone be saved. And the call goes out, and John's gospel tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He draws us to Jesus Christ. And the call goes forth. If you're here today or watching online and you have not responded to that call, I want to urge you to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ. It's not about going to church. Going to church is important. I'm glad to see you here today. I wish there were more people here today. No surprise to you, is it? But it's not about that. Someone said sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage makes you a car, right? Uh, it's not about that, although that's important. It's about surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. It's about saying, Lord, you sit on the throne of my life. My life belongs to you. My agenda is discarded, and I want to pursue your agenda for my life. I want to live for you as we sang about this morning. And we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. I, I read online and... and you do too, and there's some hot-button issues of the day, and I read the comments afterward, and just, I, I've referenced this before, the hostility toward Christianity and the Word of God and the things of God, it breaks my heart. 
There are people cursing the name of Jesus and they're cursing the only name that can set them free. They're rejecting Christ. They're rejecting the call of God on their lives. But the call still goes forth. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. Come, uh, Isaiah said, come, uh, let us reason together. Though your sins be red as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Hallelujah. I'm thankful the call still goes forward. Hallelujah. We're all imperfect. Uh, that old hymn uh, that, that was sung so many times at the Billy Graham Crusades, Just As I Am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. The call's going out to salvation, to fellowship with Jesus Christ. And we who are outside the family of God, outside the household of God, we can enter in and have relationship with him. And that's what it's all about. From the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, God created us to fellowship with him. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ made a way. God has called you into fellowship with Jesus Christ. The fact I said we commonly think of fellowship as uh, between one another, and certainly that is fellowship, but the only reason we can have that bond and that fellowship is that, we're first, that we first respond to the call to fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship has to go this way before it goes this way. You hearing me today? And that bond we have together is a bond because we have fellowship first with Jesus Christ. As was said elsewhere, we love because he first loved us. I'm so glad that my imperfections, that my sin, that my waywardness, that my selfishness, uh, that, that, that my imperfection didn't keep him from calling me into fellowship with his son Jesus. Aren't you? And not only are we imperfect, we rub shoulders every day with imperfect people. And I get it. I know how it is. We have a hard time sometimes. Jesus talked about this in Sermon on the Mount, seeing the imperfections in ourselves. But boy, they're like neon red lights in other people, aren't they? Why is so-and-so... And I, I, I get it, right? Man, that person just can't get it together. No, they can't. Not on their own. They're flawed. They're imperfect. But they're called to fellowship with Jesus Christ, who makes all things new. We don't become perfect. Someone said we're not perfect, just forgiven. But he loves us and calls us to fellowship in him, with him, in spite of our imperfections. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful we're called to salvation, called to fellowship with Jesus Christ? So there's hope for imperfect people because we're called to salvation. Secondly, there's hope for imperfect people today because we're called to sanctification. Sanctification. This gets at what I was alluding to a few moments ago. If you look at verse 2, Paul says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Some translations say, uh, called to be saints. Did you know saints just aren't dead people? 
If we're Christians, if we're believers in him, the Bible calls us saints. And, and the word sanctified and holy or saints are from the same root word. To be sanctified means to be set apart for a holy purpose. You see, uh, we just don't enter into fellowship with Jesus. That's salvation. But what he does is he sets us apart to, to be holy. And, and there are two aspects to this. We call this uh, positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. And Paul refers to both of them here. He said, to the church of God in Corinth, in other words, to the, to the, the people of the church, you know we are the church, the, the building isn't the church, we are the church, you know that. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. It, th this aspect of it is already done. It's a finished work. That's why when God looks at us as, as born-again believers, He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our imperfection. He doesn't see our failure. He sees us as righteous because the Word of God says Jesus Christ has become our righteousness. And when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we wear that mantle of his righteousness. And our sin isn't counted against us. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Our, our, we are seen as holy in Christ Jesus. We are positionally sanctified. The Bible says that God throws our sin in the sea of his forgetfulness. Now that's a metaphor. God is perfect. He doesn't forget. But he regards us, he treats us as if he doesn't remember our past sin. He sees us as holy in Christ Jesus. We have a holy high and holy calling this morning. We are set apart. We are sanctified. We are made righteous through Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. So he says, you're sanctified. You're made holy. But then he says, you're called to be holy. Paul, what are you saying? He's saying that we have that position as being sanctified, being set apart, and we are seen that way by God. But now our life, our everyday life, needs to conform to that. I see a lot of light bulbs going off. Oh, it matters how I live. I'm positionally sanctified, but now I have to live a holy life. We are called to sanctification. We are called to be holy. We are called to live holy lives. In one place, the word of God says, God speaking says, be holy for I am holy. Yes, we're saved by grace. We're not saved by our works. We can never be good enough to be saved. But did you know it matters how we live? It matters how we conduct ourselves. It matters how we speak. It, it matters that the thoughts we have matter. Everything we do matters. There's a, there's a song a Christian group sang a few years ago. It says, we wear his name. Boy, that just, that just speaks to me when I hear that song. We wear, we, we wear the name Christian. We wear the name Jesus Christ. We are his representatives. And church, this world just, just is eager to pounce on our hypocrisy and are, are, are not living what we believe. Now, I know none of us are perfect. I get that. But I believe when we are saved, when we are born again, that the, 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 yet we're positionally sanctified, but the progressive sanctification, the process of living more and more holy lives should take place, should be set in motion. I should be, live a more holy life today than I did yesterday. 
I should live a more holy life tomorrow than I'm living today. And so should you. Do you get what I'm talking about? And I know we have battles and we have issues, like we said before, and we have imperfections. But church, if we are pressing into God, if we are getting close to Jesus, if we are having fellowship with him, things in our life that aren't pleasing to God, they should begin to drop off. It should affect the way we speak. It should affect our, our language. It should affect, as I said, our thought life. It should affect our business dealings. One place it says, let him who stole steal no more. Did you know when you steal from the IRS, that's stealing? <laughs> Boy, it got really quiet here. It's not tax season yet, so you got time to get things right. You, but you get the point. We're called to be sanctified. We are called to live lives in keeping with our position. The late C.S. Lewis once remembered, he said, when I was a child, I often had a toothache. And I knew that if I went to my mother, she would give me something which would deaden the pain for that night and let me get to sleep. But I did not go to my mother, at least not until the pain became very bad. He said, and the reason I didn't go was this. I didn't doubt that she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she would also do something else. I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more, which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from my pain, but I couldn't get it without having the dentist set my teeth permanently right. And I knew those dentists, I knew they would start fiddling around with all sorts of other teeth which had not yet begun to ache. And C.S. Lewis went on to say, Our Lord is like the dentist. Dozens of people go to him to be cured of some particular sin, some particular ill. Well, he'll cure it all right, but he won't stop there. He's going to go to work on us if we let him. Psalmist said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And like that dentist, God wants to go to work on us. Not because he wants to inflict pain on us, but because he wants to make our character in line, come in line with our position as the sanctified, as the set apart, as the saints of God. John Newton, the author of the great hymn Amazing Grace, a former slave trader, and you know that's probably the greatest hymn of all time. He said this, he said, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Hallelujah. God's grace is still flowing. God's Holy Spirit is still working. Church, uh, God, the, the, the Holy Spirit, Dennis, wants to go to work on us. And, and we don't go to him because we're afraid of what he might do. I've said this before. When, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, when we become more than just Sunday morning Christians, but really press in and get close to God and say, God, cleanse me. Make me what you want me to be. Make me holy. He's going to come in our lives. And as I like to say, he's going to start rearranging some of the furniture 
uh, spiritually speaking. You know what I mean? He's going to start putting his finger on some attitudes and some practices and some things that we do. And he's going to say that needs to go and that needs to go and things need to change. Why? Because he loves us and wants our lives to conform to our high and holy position in him. How about it this morning? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you of things that aren't pleasing to him? Well, Pastor Tim, you, you, that's a good message for a lot of folks here today. But I, I've known the Lord for 50 years. Well, God bless you. We'll print a certificate. But you haven't arrived yet. You've served God 100 years. There's more work to do. Holy Spirit, come. Transform us. You have called us to sanctification. You know, some denominations teach a, in terms of practical living, I said there's positional sanctification, but there's progressive. We believe in, in, our, in our denomination, in our movement, we believe in progressive sanctification, that, that, that we don't achieve perfect holiness, but God is, is working progressively. There are some that actually teach what they call a second definite work of grace, that, that you know, your sanctification takes place and you don't sin after that. But we don't believe the Bible teaches that. But, but I heard one of our ministers say, uh, he said, you know, don't go the other extreme. He said, so, some of us believe uh, sanctification is, is such a progressive thing that it goes so slow it doesn't even happen. <laughs> you know, we, 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 may not ever, uh, we, we won't ever get to a place on this side of glory where we attain perfection, but we should be moving toward that goal. Something should be happening. I should be more holy in my living than I was before, as I, as I said a few moments ago. We are called to be sanctified. How about you today? Do you regularly open up your spirit to the Holy Spirit? Say, Lord, make me what you want me to be. Whatever's not pleasing in my life, Lord, take it out. It can be painful. It can be inconvenient, but we're called. We're called to sanctification. Holy Spirit, do your work within us. Thirdly, uh, there, there's hope for imperfect people because we're called to service. In verse 1, Paul says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. You read throughout Paul's writings, he always had the sense of a divine call on his life to serve God as an apostle. Apostle was one who he established churches, he uh, uh, exercised oversight over the churches that God allowed him to plant on his missionary journeys. And he said it was a calling. And, and he, 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 could, he could no sooner uh, not pursue his calling than he, he would not stop breathing. You know, it, it was just who he was. And uh, so, so that was his calling. Every one of us have the call to service on our lives. Rich hit the, hit the nail on the head a couple weeks ago, and God, God 
totally dropped this outreach. And we've, we've done this sort of thing before, but this outreach yesterday, God totally dropped that in Rich's heart, and he contacted my wife and myself. We said, go for it. And he stood up here a few weeks ago and said, God revealed to me it's not just the pastor's job or the pastor's wife's job to seek to fill these pews, but it's, it's all of our jobs. A calling. I'm called to be the pastor teacher of this church. What is your calling? What is your call? What is God calling you to do? We are all called to serve. We are all called to do our part. Scriptures teach that not, no one place of service is any more or less important than any other. Did you know that? Your place of service in the body of Christ is just as significant, just as important as mine as the pastor or any other spiritual leader. We're all called to serve. Some statistics from a Barna Research survey says 29% of all adults and 40% of baby buster adults have never heard of spiritual gifts. I've preached on spiritual gifts before. Maybe it's time to do it again. 69% have heard of spiritual gifts but don't know what their spiritual gift is. 1% of adults and only 6% of senior pastors claim they have the gift of leadership. The most common gift claimed by churchgoers is the gift of teaching, and that's only 5%. The most common items in the survey mentioned as spiritual gifts aren't spiritual gifts at all. Things such as love, kindness, relationships, singing, and listening. Those are great things, but they're not spiritual gifts. Only 7% say they have spoken in tongues. 13% have heard of the gift of tongues, but say it's not operative today. I heard a story. Some of you may have heard of Pastor Bill Wilson, pastored Metro Church, founded Metro Church, became Metro Child, uh, pastored there for over 50 years. It's an inner city church in New York. Pastor Wilson himself has been stabbed twice as he ministered to the people surrounding the church. He, he's just put his life on the line in, in service to that community. Once a Puerto Rican woman came, became involved in the church and was led to Christ, and after her conversion, she said she wanted to do something to help with the church's ministry, and when she was asked what her talents were, she couldn't think of anything. She couldn't even speak English beyond a few words. But she did love children. So uh, the pastor put her on one of the church's buses that went into neighborhoods and transported kids to church. Every week she performed her duties and she would find the worst looking kid on the bus, put him on her lap. When I say worst looking, the most disheveled, dirtiest clothes, whatever. She put this child on her lap and whisper over and over the only words she learned in English. I love you. Jesus loves you. After several months, she became attached to one little boy in particular, and the boy didn't speak. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on the woman's lap, but he never made one sound. Each week, she would tell him all the way to Sunday school and all the way home, I love you and Jesus loves you. One day, to her amazement, the little boy turned around and stammered, I, I, I love you too. And then he put his arm around her and gave her a big hug. That was 2.30 in the afternoon. 
At 6.30 p.m. that night, he was found dead. His own mother had beaten him to death and thrown his body in the trash. Some of the last words that little boy heard were from a woman who could barely speak English who said, I don't really have any gifts. She said, I love you and Jesus loves you. No ability is too little for God to use. No one is incapable of serving God, of making a difference. One final illustration, the great violinist Nicole Paganini willed his marvelous violin to Genoa, the city of his birth, only on one condition, that it never be played. It's a type of wood that as long as the violin is used and handled, it shows little wear, but as soon as it is discarded and not touched and not handled, it begins to decay, and that exquisite violin has decayed to be practically worthless. We were meant to be used. We were designed to serve. We are called to service. We want to help you here at Harvest Church. If you haven't already, find a place of service. Find a place where you can be used. No matter how seemingly minor, how small, God wants to use you. In conclusion this morning, yes, we're, we're all imperfect. We all have flaws. But there's hope for imperfect people today. I hope if, if, you're, if you're feeling somewhat frustrated over your imperfections, I hope that I've given you hope today. Because, first of all, we're called to salvation. In our sinful state, we're called to fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's a miracle of miracles. If you're here today, if you're watching online, as I said earlier, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Today can be your day. You can fellowship with the God of the universe and belong to him forever. We're called to salvation. The call is universal, goes out to all. Secondly, we're called to sanctification. We're positionally set apart. God sees us as holy, but we're called to have our lives conform to that position. To, to, to progress in our sanctification and our holiness so that we more perfectly reflect the character of a holy God. We're called to sanctification. Thirdly, we're called to service. We are called to be used by him. Have you found your place of service? Have you found your place of ministry? God can use you. Whatever gifts you have, whatever gifts you may feel like you don't have, there's something within you. God has placed something within you that he can use for his glory. Our theme verse, God who has called you is faithful. God who has called you is faithful.